0: Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region.
1: Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. In the 1950s and again in the 1990s, Israel and Turkey have been regional partners, almost best friends. They both faced the hostility of their common neighbor, separating them, Syria. They were officially, or practically at least, in the western orbit, and they had no conflict over the body of water they lived next to – the Mediterranean Sea. All that changed over the last 20 years, with Turkey at odds with Israel over religion, Palestinians and energy resources, and pulling away from the United States. Is it reversible, or are Turkey and Israel doomed to remain rivals, as long as Ankara is led by Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Joining us from Istanbul, Turkey to discuss this topic is Mr. Yusuf Erim, who is the editor-at-large at TRT World. Welcome. Thank you. Also joining our panel today from Central Israel is Dr. Haitan Konyan-Arochak, who is a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University, as well as at the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 analyst Mr. Amir Oren. Uh, give us a broader understanding on the, the relations between Turkey and Israel, as there are relations uh, pre- predominantly on the economic side of things, Uh, but at the same uh, situation, the political level uh, is, we could refer to it at an all-time low.
0: So the question uh, really is, where does the uh, philosophical end and where does the practical start? Because your question uh, regarding whether it's irreversible, uh, the um, low uh, uh, ebb that uh, we are in uh, right now, Um, goes back um, almost uh, 500 years uh, because uh, we are sitting here in Jerusalem, uh, a place uh, which for 400 years from 1517 to 1917 has been under Ottoman rule the uh, leaders of uh, Israel When uh, they founded it, David Ben-Gurion, Moshe Sharet, Itzhak Ben-Zvi, not only uh, lived under Ottoman rule, they also went to school uh, in Istanbul. And um, of course, they knew uh, Turkey and uh, were quite uh, conversant with uh, uh, Ataturk and other uh, leaders. Right now, uh, as you say, over the last uh, 10, 15, 18 years, Things are bad and uh, perhaps they are getting worse before they are getting better because new issues uh, came up or um, in this case came down into the sea, almost into the uh, seabed because of uh, energy resources, because uh, of disputes regarding the Mediterranean in general, uh, Turkish relations uh, with Libya, for instance, uh, and other problems. One um, fine point which uh, bears mentioning is that even if there is a, a so-called two-run uh, movement of uh, uh, bringing back uh, Turkish glory to those countries where there are uh, speaking, Turkish-speaking minorities or even more than minorities, Israel, the present state of Israel, is not one of them. Of course, it was part of the Ottoman Empire, and um, uh, when Erdogan speaks about various uh, places, he mentions Jerusalem. But it is not realistic to expect Turkey to try and project power as far south as Israel. It wants to go west, it wants to go east, but apparently not uh, anywhere south of
1: Syria. Indeed. Uh, Mr. Arim, how do they view this in, in Ankara? Uh, at uh, this stage, are we really at an all-time low? Or are there different glimpses of, uh, of a shift, uh, maybe because of the situation in Washington or, or elsewhere?
2: First of all, I agree that Turkey's not trying to project power uh, anywhere near Israel. I think Turkey's more concentrated right now on the Balkans, uh, the, South, the Southern Caucus, and uh, Syria. I think these are areas that are much more important to Turkey. Uh, areas, uh, especially where there are Turkey population, like Azerbaijan, very very important. Turkmen in Syria, very very important, and uh, many Greek Turks uh, in Greece. These are areas that are top priority. I think Greece is. Uh, I think Israel is not even on the list of areas that uh, Turkey seeks to project power. Now, uh, I personally, I think the worst in the relationship. Is well behind us right now. And when we look at the recent developments, not just between both countries, but more from a broader aspect, especially U.S. elections, I think uh, a Turkey Israel reproachment is actually inevitable when we look at what's going on in the region. I think the election of uh, President elect Joe Biden will actually fast forward this reproachment between. Uh, Israel and Turkey. Now, one of the reasons why I say that is uh, while obviously a Biden uh, victory is viewed negatively in Turkey because of uh, what he's said in recent comments, I think when we look at what's going to happen in the region and what Bre- Biden is going to bring here, we'll push Israel and Turkey towards each other, uh, most namely bringing back the JCPOA, which he's mentioned many, many times. Now, if you look in the past, Turkey has actually w- looked warmly on the jcpoa but we need to realize when those comments were made regarding the iran nuclear deal iran was one of the major energy suppliers for turkey that's not the case anymore uh turkey has secured its energy security via russia via azerbaijan and other countries and iran is basically non-existent right now in turkey's energy portfolio so the bringing back of the jcpoa really doesn't change anything for turkey from an en- energy security standpoint but what it does is make Iran much richer and provide assets that they can uh, distribute to IRGC, Shiite militia, Hezbollah in the area. Now, while Turkey and Iran work together on a, a flurry of uh, foreign policy issues, Turkey is not comfortable with the proliferation of these groups along its borders in Iraq and Syria. I mean, when you look east, there's Iran. When you look south, there's Qatayb, Hezbollah, and uh, IRGC Shiite militia in Iraq. There's uh, militia in Syria as well. There's Hezbollah in Iran. So Turkey's full southern and eastern border is completely covered, completely uh, blocked by uh, this uh, Shiite crescent. And yes, Turkey does work with, Te- Ankara and Tehran do work together, but that does not mean Turkey's comfortable with this uh, proliferation on its borders. And this is not something uh, that should be viewed lightly in Ankara. And I do believe that this is becoming more and more of a national security threat. And we've seen this uh, bubble over in Idlib when Turkey struck uh, many Hezbollah uh, targets and uh, uh, Hezbollah targets and IRGC targets. And we saw the devastation that caused just from the amount of graves that w- and uh, coffins that were sent back to Lebanon. So. Turkey has been very effective in this matter, and I think it will continue to be effective. Also the Eastern Mediterranean as well. Israel wants a pipeline. It needs a pipeline for Leviathan. And right now, this pipeline through the Eastern Mediterranean, it's not feasible. We look at a landline that would run through Turkey. It would cost a fraction of the cost of an East Med pipeline. It It would be constructed much, much quicker and have much more security than being the longest uh, longest deep-seabed pipeline uh, when you have an existing network in Turkey already in place.
1: Well, I understand Turkey's uh, interest in a rapprochement with Israel, uh, especially under a potential Biden administration. But Dr. Konya Naroczak, does Israel have an interest in having uh, a rapprochement with Turkey, considering also the fact that that its relations with Greece and and the Greek Cypriots uh, has never been better and uh, the fact of the matter is the the Greek lobby in the Democratic Party is uh, almost as powerful as the Jewish lobby and uh, it has uh, especially now a lot of significance for Israel considering the recent years where uh, Jerusalem has had uh, its relations at an all-time high rather with the Republican Party than the the Democratic Party in the United States, which may also uh, change the, uh, the power balance of Israel in the United States.
3: Well, uh, I agree with you, Jonathan. Um, but uh, before analyzing this deeply, I would like to emphasize that the architect, uh, the chief architect of the Israeli, uh, Cypriot, and Greek uh, rapprochement is uh, Recep Tayyip Erdoğan and his uh, foreign minister, Mevlüt Cavusoglu. with their uh, precious loneliness. Uh, beforehand, we all knew that uh, Israel uh, was considered as one of the best allies of uh, Turkey. We conducted together joint uh, air, uh, air exercises in Konya, and uh, also the intelligence communities shared uh, important uh, uh, information uh, between themselves. But uh, within the years, we uh, all know that uh, this began to diminish, and uh, due to the Turkey's uh, unilateral pro-Palestinian stance, uh, which is criticizing uh, and demonizing Israel on daily basis, Jerusalem uh, had to implement uh, its own agenda, which is based on real politics. And according to this uh, worldview, of course, uh, Jerusalem uh, began to launch a rapprochement with Nicosia, uh, with Athens, and uh, as a result, uh, we came to to the uh, current point. Uh, But uh, I also would like to emphasize that uh, despite this uh, rapprochement with uh, Greece and Cyprus, uh, from my understanding, Turkey is still uh, a very important uh, component for the uh, national security of Israel. Uh, as the most important um, Muslim nation uh, in, the, uh, in the eastern Mediterranean, I truly believe that Israel should do everything in order to strengthen its relations with uh, Turkey. Uh, but while doing that, Israel should also persuade uh, its uh, Turkish counterparts Uh, that this should be done in a genuine normalization, which means that Israel bashing should be over. Uh, I personally, if I was a decision maker in Jerusalem, I was, uh, of course, I could monitor the Turkish media, and I could also monitor the Turkish uh, government uh, officials' statements, and whenever I'm I'm seeing uh, statements like Jerusalem is our city, or these kind of uh, statements, I, kind, uh, I would like to tell you that uh, from my understanding, uh, unfortunately, if, even if I really want to do, even if I want to launch a cooperation where with Turkey, I would think twice. So in this regard, if Turkish decision makers would like to implement a real partnership with Israel, they should uh, change uh, their uh, policy towards Israel and towards Palestinians, and uh, they should also... Uh, they should also uh, clarify this and emphasize this and also highlight this with their concrete statements so that there can be some mutual uh, trust uh, between the two countries. Unfortunately, nowadays, we do not see this uh, mutual trust between Jerusalem and Ankara.
2: MR.
1: Arim, your response to that?
2: Well, first of all, I, I, I highly doubt President Erdogan is going to change his stance on Palestine, but I think what can be done is that it can be taken off the bilateral menu and put on a multilateral menu and only be discussed at areas like the OIC and the United Nations. Uh, we've seen Turkey be able to compartmentalize problems with other countries and have very, very fruitful relationships. Uh, for example, the Uyghur issue in China, uh, Crimea and Russia, uh, other countries that it's been able to compartmentalize uh, polarizing problems with. and look forward and uh, work on issues that uh, both countries see eye to eye in. And I think that this is very, very possible uh, with Israel as well, because both countries have a very experienced and pragmatic leadership. So I don't see why it can't be done. And they obviously have a very, very long history of cooperation, uh, dating back, predating Israel. So. Uh, The basis is there, Uh, both of these countries along with the United States basically make up the Middle Eastern security architecture of the eighties and nineties. The intelligence agencies have a deep rooted history of cooperation together and their cooperation still exists to this day, despite uh, despite, the deteriorating ties as well. So uh, I do think that compartmentalization is going to be very, very important. Uh, what's also going to be important is who's going to be the face of this rapprochement. Now we're obviously, even if there is a reproach rapprochement, we're not going to see Erdogan and Bibi hugging anytime soon. They're not going to be shaking hands anytime soon. But that doesn't mean that uh, these two countries cannot uh, have a thawing in relations. And I think that uh, the faces of, these, uh, uh, of this rapprochement will be very important. In my mind, I could foresee maybe on the Israeli side, Benny Gantz being a face for Israel. On the Turkish side, I could see maybe uh, either the Turkish vice president, Fuat Oktay being the face, uh, defense minister Hulusi Akar being the face of this reproachment, or possibly the energy minister because uh, a reproachment would most likely be based on the topic of either security or energy or both of these topics being combined as the major intersecting and converging interests between both countries. So these are potential faces for this reproachment. In this coming period, that uh, these guys can serve as interlocutors for both of their uh, states as uh, they try to work together and compartmentalize these problems and work to their strengths. Mr.
1: Olin. Let
0: let me second uh, uh, Yusuf's recommendation regarding um, the generals or retired generals uh, on either side. Uh, He mentioned General Askar and General Gantz, perhaps General Ashkenazi too. When they were chiefs of staff before their current positions, they used to meet at NATO uh, conferences because um, NATO, having uh, expanded its consultations to the Mediterranean dialogue and to the Istanbul uh, Cooperative Initiative, um, invited all of these uh, generals, and they know each other, even if slightly, of course, other people have trained together, have met, and uh, as Yusuf mentioned, uh, MIT and Mossad have kept their channels uh, open. Now, um, one more point is that if there is another, a renewed push by President-elect Biden for an Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, and if Hamas is part of it somehow, or at least there is a long armistice, a hudna, or at least a tahadiyah, between Israel and Hamas, then of course Turkey will not be more Catholic than the Pope or more Muslim than Yahya
1: Sinwar. Indeed, Uh, Dr. Chaikoyan Rocak, to what degree do you see the the, uh, possibility in which uh, a political framework would be established in order to find common ground in exploiting the the resources beneath the eastern mediterranean uh, in which turkey would become a party to the the east med forum uh, which also includes some of turkey's greatest rivals uh uh, to the south uh, uh, most notably of course egypt uh which may also uh uh demand a, a change of of uh a uh, uh, geopolitical strategy for, for Ankara with regard to Northern Africa, which uh, may not necessarily go in line with Ankara's uh, future plans. Uh, how do you see all of this playing along?
3: Well, uh, I, I need to emphasize that uh, from my understanding, Turkey needs to make a real shift in its uh, own foreign policy, which means that uh, if Turkey would like to sit together and cooperate together with Egypt, with Israel, even with Cyprus and uh, and Greece, uh, so Turkey should uh, basically sit down and uh, and should negotiate and, uh, you know, it should leave this brinkmanship policy, what we are seeing in the Eastern Mediterranean. And besides that, I would also like to emphasize once again uh, that all of these relationships should be genuinely normalized. Uh, Mr. Arim mentioned that uh, this uh, new relationship between Israel and Turkey should be, uh, I mean, the face of this relationship should be Benny Gantz uh, or, uh, or other generals. But from my understanding, if we are talking about a genuine normalization process, so this should be done uh, in the uh, people-to-people level, But which don't means... I mean, at least, at least the foreign ministers should uh, involve in it. Dr. Konianowicz, uh,
1: nevertheless, the forum also consists of Jordan, which uh, the relations between Jerusalem and Amman are currently quite chilled, and uh, the Palestinian Authority, which right now has frozen any contacts with uh, Jerusalem on any level. So, the, the question is, why not Turkey? Why cannot Turkey also participate I did, in such a forum? I
3: did, not, I did not say that Turkey should not participate or cannot participate. From my understanding, from the very first day, Turkey should take place because, from my understanding, again, Turkey is limiting itself with this precious loneliness, uh, foreign policy doctrine. From my perspective, it's a huge mistake. Okay, I'm not, I'm not telling that Turkey shouldn't. Indeed. On contrary, Turkey should, and I think Turkey is very late, and, you know, and instead of sending uh, its uh, fleets to the Eastern Mediterranean and uh, publishing NAVTEX, uh, Turkey had to be present uh, in the very beginning of this forum. Okay? This is my understanding. But I'm again emphasizing uh, that uh, the face of this normalization uh, should be civil. Okay? For instance, um, uh, last week approximately two weeks ago, uh, when we witnessed this Izmir earthquake, the Israeli government, uh, you know, uh, issued a a call uh, in order to provide a humanitarian aid uh, to Turkey. And this uh, this call was uh, sent by the Israeli defense minister. From my understanding, this is a huge mistake. Instead of the Israeli defense minister, this call had to be dispatched. This call had to be sent to Turkey via foreign ministry. Of course, I know that Turkey uh, didn't accept none of the uh, humanitarian aid uh, offers, but still Israel is doing a huge mistake when it is only defining its relationship with Turkey on the basis of security issues. That's what we did during the 1990s, and we could not penetrate into the Turkish society. Okay, so none of the Turkish people are very much impressed by uh, Israeli foreign uh, policy. Uh, they were, um, we, we could not influence them. We could only influence the army generals who are not in power anymore in Ankara. So Israel, if, if it really wants to launch a genuine normalization with Ankara, it should be very much um, be aware of the fact that this new normalization should be based on civilian infrastructure with foreign ministries. And yes, if we are going to call this normalization as a genuine normalization, so Israel should demand the face of President Erdogan there. otherwise uh,
2: no one can call this a genuine normalization. I think, I, Mr. I think you're looking too many steps down the road. Uh, I think we should concentrate more on step one and step two. What you're talking about is step three, four, and five. Unfortunately,
3: uh, unfortunately, uh, when we are looking at the, uh, the history of the bilateral relations, we, ev- everyone told us that we are always looking at the step three and step four, and we could never focus on step one and step two, okay? So from my understanding, uh, this should be done in a proper way, and otherwise, I'm not calling it a genuine normalization, uh, apologies. Mr. Arim,
1: I'd like to hear you on this. And, of course, on the economic level, Israel and Turkey have uh, been uh, very uh, close. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, construction companies have been uh, very active uh, in uh, the, the area of Tel Aviv. Uh, many of the, the high-rise buildings have been constructed uh, by Turkish companies. Uh, there is, uh, uh, at some stages, of course, uh, now with the Corona. Uh, uh, crisis, less so, but uh, Turkish Airlines is one of the most frequent airliners to, to uh, visit uh, Tel Aviv Airport, and uh, it seems that on, on the civic level, uh, there is a lot of cooperation, but on the political level, uh, there is uh, a complete disconnect. To what degree do you think uh, there may shine some glimpses of hope on the political level, and uh, what kind of process would there need to be uh, undergone in order to make uh, something like that possible?
2: Well, first of all, uh, bilateral trade, I believe was at a record high in 2018. I don't know if the 2019 figures were a record high, but they were very, very close. So uh, we've seen that uh, commercially and economically, uh, the uh, political side is not impacting trade between both countries as uh, they're greatly enjoying uh, a tremendous amount of trade. Uh, Now, how can this be taken a step forward? As I said, one of the most important things will be to compartmentalize the uh, Palestinian issue and take it off the leadership's plate. I think one of the best ways to be able to do this is uh, uh, the creation of maybe uh, a presidential envoy to look at the Palestinian issue. And this would compartmentalize it, take it out of Erdogan's rhetoric and keep it under a position of a presidential envoy who would be looking at the issue and trying to negotiate. I think that could be a possible first step. And also, as I mentioned before, uh, only bringing these issues up at the United Nations, at the OIC, only on uh, multilateral platforms where multiple countries are discussing it. And it's not just Turkey talking at Israel, it's a block of countries who support the Palestinian issue, which Turkey would be a part of, versus a block of countries who support Israel's stance, where it's, like I said, it's not a bilateral friction going on. So I think these are very important ways that uh, this Palestinian issue, uh, this hurdle could be bypassed. And uh, as I also mentioned before, there's so many converging interests between these countries and a possible rapprochement would have an earthquake effect on the uh, geopolitical dynamics of the Middle East. Everyone's calculations right now will be completely upended with a, Turkey is a Turkey-Israel reproach month. Uh, yes, Israel has uh, improved its relations with UAE and Egypt and Greece, but th- these are all minor players. Uh, mm-hmm. These are all minor players. Turkey is the only country that has uh, the capacity to change realities on the ground and also diplomatic realities uh, through their influence in many, many countries. And uh, this is an incredible asset to uh, Israel, and what Israel brings uh, is... Med- very important assets as well, Uh, its lobby power in the United States, uh, security cooperation in areas like Syria. Uh, Both parties view Assad as a national security threat. They view uh, the regime as a national security threat, and they view this growing hegemony of Shiite militia as a national security threat. So we have energy cooperation right now. We have security cooperation right now. We have trade cooperation right now. So this is an incredible uh, platform, an incredible basis to be able to create this rapprochement on. And it could be very, very fruitful in a win-win scenario, very easily for both countries. Mr. Owen, There's no
0: reason to disagree with any of uh, what uh, Mr. Ring just said. Just to add to it, there are great prospects for a Biden administration because the America First policy will no longer guide Washington. And if the alliance, including NATO, is coming back to the agenda, then even through that, when Mr. Biden goes to Ankara and meets with Mr. Erdogan and pleads Israel, Israel's case too, one may see an opening for a
1: thaw. If. Of course, he uh, will. O- time. Obviously, we, they all go. We will see. Uh, but, uh, of course, this may uh, be part of a package deal, and we will have to discuss uh, more of this in the future. I'd like to thank Dr. Koenian Narochak, Mr. Arim, and Mr. Olin for being thank in today's you. panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.